Good morning. He is risen. Hallelujah. This morning we are celebrating the greatest event of history, the most important, most glorious event that ever happened. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the day in history that he came back to life from death. This day is the basis of our hope, of our life. It's the source of our freedom, of our joy. This morning, I want us to look at the significance of this event. We're not going to read the resurrection story this morning. We're going to talk about what it means to us today. But in order to do that, we need to look at the terrible backdrop for the resurrection. The, the backdrop for the glorious resurrection is the ugliness of death. Death is a horrible enemy. In order to look at it, I want to tell you a true story uh, from one of Max Licato's books. It's a story that touched me profoundly. It's a story he calls The Woman Who Died Twice. It's a horrible story. Rebecca Thompson is the woman who died twice. Both times were from the Fremont Canyon Bridge. Both times she went over the side of the bridge, 112 feet to the canyon, to the river below. Her uh, story is horrible. Uh, She was only 18 when she and her 12-year-old sister were kidnapped by two men near a store in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, These men drove the girls uh, about 40 miles to the uh, Fremont Canyon Bridge. It's a narrow, single-lane steel structure that goes over the North Platte River, 112 feet down into the gorge to the river. These men uh, brutally beat and raped Rebecca. She convinced them not to do the same to her little sister Amy. Then these men threw both girls off the side of the bridge. Amy was killed when she hit the rocks near the water. Rebecca survived. She, she hit a ledge on the way down, and it knocked her out in, into deeper water. Her hip was broken in five places. She made it uh, somehow, swimming to the shore, to the side, wedged herself in between two rocks, and waited for someone to find her. The next day, they found her. They got her to a hospital, and she recovered from her physical injuries. On her testimony, the two men were captured, went to prison, but Rebecca never recovered from the incident. That was her first death. For 19 years, she was tormented by that event, by that incident. She lived in fear of the day that those men would be uh, released on parole. She relived the, the rape and the beating and the fall over and over a thousand times in her dreams and in her flashbacks. She was filled with anger towards those men. She was consumed with anger toward God, toward herself. She felt constantly guilty that she had lived and her little sister hadn't. You know, maybe she had done something that dragged her sister into all of this. After all, these guys were after her, not her sister. And maybe early on she could have done something to get away or or to stop these guys. She was filled with shame. Thousands of people knew every detail of what had been done to her. Everyone she knew 
knew. So 19 years after her first death, in September of 1992, Rebecca Thompson drove back to the Fremont Canyon Bridge. She sat briefly on the side, weeping, and then she threw herself off. She died the second time when her body hit the water below. Now that's a horrible story. That's a, uh, an incredible tragedy. Both of her deaths. Even though her body lived the 19 years from the time she was thrown off that bridge to the time she threw herself off the bridge, she was a living dead. Her, her, her spirit was already dead. Her heart was already dead. Both of Rebecca's deaths are unimaginable tragedy. But she isn't unique. It is dramatic and horrible what happened to her. But each of us dies twice at least. Perhaps not so dramatically, so horribly. For most of us, that first death comes in stages, a little at a time. We start out as children, little sinners, descendants of Adam, but guileless and naive, uh, open, defenseless. And as we grow, things happen to us. People hurt us. They disappoint us. They abandon us. They shame us and crush us. And we begin to learn how to survive this. And some of the ways we learn destroy us, damage us. We, we do things that are wrong. And the guilt of that can be crushing, overwhelming, until, until we learn how to deny it, pretend it isn't there, cover it up, not think too deeply, stay superficial. That guilt can be crushing. You see, we all die the first time. Every time we uh, do something destructive, every time someone hurts us, a little piece of our hearts die. Now, for some, there are huge events of trauma, terrible things that happen in your life, and maybe a a loved one, a parent, a sibling, a child has died, left you crushed. Maybe there's been a, a horrible illness. Some of you have been abused. Some of you have been horribly betrayed by a lover or a spouse. Some of you have uh, been left injured by accidents, not just physically, but by the trauma of the event. Some of you have done things that you desperately wish you could undo. All of us have, have acted shamefully toward others at times. All of us have had harsh and cutting things said to us, cruel things done to us. And all of us have said and done harsh and cruel things. We've all died a little on the inside. Every one of us has, has been misjudged has been misunderstood. And again, every time we die a little on the inside, and all of us have died to one extent or another, <clears throat> we are all born sinners, separated from God. And so we're born spiritually dead. But on top of that, every time that we have uh, hurt others and been hurt by others, a little piece of us dies. Each of us have died that first time. 
That's the backdrop to the resurrection, death. Death is also the backdrop to the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to John 11. We start about verse 17. Jesus had been ministering in the area around Jerusalem, but the religious leaders there had tried to kill him on two occasions. So he left. He went over to the other side of the Jordan River and began ministering over there. Now he's heard that one of his close friends is very ill, so he decides to come back. The disciples are really panicked at this. They're scared. They know people are trying to kill them. So they say to one another, uh, let's go with him so that we may die with him. Anyway, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said, to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. By the time Jesus gets there, his friend has been dead for four days. Martha, when she hears that Jesus is coming, she runs out to meet him. This is characteristic of Martha. Whenever you see her in Scripture, she is a a woman of action, a woman who gets straight to the point, a woman who almost always gets the point. And she comes up to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I don't think she's complaining or or condemning Jesus, demanding to know how come he didn't come sooner. She's just getting to the point. She's just expressing her heart. She had been wishing and wishing that Jesus would come because she knew he could do something. But he hadn't come. And her brother had died. And now she was dealing with the crushing Grief, the weight of, of, of that loss. She says to him, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. There, she's expressing her need. I don't think at this point she was asking Jesus to, to rise her brother from the dead. What she's doing is just saying, I'm hurting. I need something. We are all hurting. We need something. It's very normal in the midst of a trauma, a great loss, to cry out to God, say, God, it hurts too much. Do something. You see, Martha never doubted Jesus' love. She just was expressing her hurt and her need. Part of the reason I don't think she was asking Jesus to raise her brother from the dead, was that when he says to her, your brother will rise again, she doesn't know what he's talking about. She she doesn't realize that he's talking about any time soon. She says to him, yeah, I, I, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. See, her theology is good. She knows that God has acted in history way back then. And she knows that, that God God's long-range plan includes a resurrection way off in the future. 
But she doesn't realize that the resurrection that Jesus is talking about was right then and right there. The resurrection he's talking about was right here, right now. So Jesus says to her, I, I myself, the emphasis is, is really strong there in the original language, I myself am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, Jesus says that he himself is the resurrection and the life. Where Jesus is, there is resurrection. That's the truth. That's the reality. But then right in the middle of this trauma, right as Martha is trying to deal with the crushing grief of losing her brother, Right as you're trying to deal with the greatest hurts and disappointments in your life, Jesus asks an incredible question. He says, do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. I can do something here. I can bring life in the face of death. Do you believe this? Right at the hardest possible time to deal with a question like that. When, when the world was looking black, when it looked hopeless, when things were so confusing and so painful, Jesus asked this question, do you believe? This isn't a question for some intellectual debate in a philosophy class. This isn't a question for an abstract theological discussion. This is a question that we each must face in the deepest, darkest moments when The death in our lives is crushing us. Let me finish the story and come back to this point. After uh, this discussion with Martha, Jesus goes on and, and talks to Mary for a little bit. Let's pick up that in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. The text tells us that when Jesus saw their pain, saw how badly Mary was hurting and the other people, it says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. What it literally says is that he caused himself to be deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus chose to enter into their pain, to feel what they were feeling, to to let it break his heart as well. See, Jesus never stands aloof from our pain. He never stands waiting. He always chooses to enter into it, to share with us the hurt and the disappointment and the wounds. It matters to him. He cares. Verse 35, Jesus wept. That's too sterile. Jesus sobbed. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You see, some of them saw Jesus' love. Others just resented him for letting it happen. Some of us see God's love in the midst of our confusion and our pain. Others of us just resent God for letting it happen. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. 
But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? See, Martha still doesn't understand what's going on. So Jesus says to her, If you believe, if you trust me, you'll see the glory of God. God will do something here that will knock your socks off. Verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus raised Lazarus to life and then he unbound him. He, 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 he took the grave clothes off. He freed him to, to be able to start this new life, unbound by the things that had happened. But why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus raise Lazarus back to life? Well, there were a lot of people who died back then. Why this one? Well, he tells us in verse 41. His purpose was so that the people standing around would see. It was for their benefit, so that they would see that Jesus was sent by God. That Jesus is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. Jesus raised Lazarus physically back to life so that we would know that he can raise our lives. Jesus often did this. He does a a, a physical healing to demonstrate, to prove that he can heal hearts. He, He healed the paralyzed man so that people around would know that he could heal the sin in that man's heart. Jesus resurrected Lazarus then and there so that we would know that he can resurrect our lives here and now. He is the resurrection and the life. Today is our Easter celebration. We celebrate the day that Jesus was resurrected, that he came back to life. We look back and, and realize that on a certain day, 1,966 years ago, Jesus Christ came out of that tomb alive. God acted in history. But sometimes that seems like a long time ago. That was then. This is now. You see, the power of the resurrection is not just that it confirms, it proves Jesus' claims of who He is and what He can do. The power of the resurrection is also that that same Jesus is alive and present today, and that He still is the resurrection and the life. When G.K. Chesterton had just become a believer, a newspaper reporter stopped him on a London street corner, and he said, Sir, I understand that you just became a Christian. May I ask you one question? Certainly replied Chesterton. If the risen Christ appeared today and stood right beside you, what would you do? Chesterton looked the reporter squarely in the eye and he said, He is standing right beside me. 
See, that wasn't just a cute thing to say. That wasn't just a religious platitude. The reality that Jesus was standing right beside him. And Chesterton's awareness of that fact is what transformed Chesterton's life. You see, the central reality of our faith is that this same Jesus is alive and here with us today. Easter is a holy occasion, not just because we celebrate a profoundly holy event that happened nearly 2,000 years ago. This is a holy occasion because that same person, the one who rose to life, the one who is the resurrection and the life, is present with us here today. He is right here, right now. And that person who says today that he is the resurrection and the life says to each one of you, you will rise again. We all say, I know I'll rise again in that resurrection in the last day. You know, our our theology is good. We know God acted way back in history. We know he's going to act again someday in the future. But we forget the fact that he is the resurrection and the life. Where Jesus is, there is resurrection. He brings life. Right here, right now. And he says to us, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Do you believe? See, that's a question for us right in the midst of the death in our lives. The question isn't, do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead a long time ago? Of course He did. The question isn't, do you believe that Jesus is coming back and will bring a resurrection? Of course He will. The question is, do you believe that Jesus, the risen Christ, is here today? That He is the resurrection and the life? And he can bring resurrection to your life. Right here, right now. A couple who were part of this church told me a while back about their marriage. They had been married for 35 years. Their children were grown. Uh, Their grandchildren, several of them were teenagers. But their marriage was dead. They didn't love each other. They didn't even like each other. They uh, had never communicated well. And any trust, any respect for each other had died decades ago. Their marriage was at best strained, at worst openly hostile. There had been abuse in their marriage. There had been sexual unfaithfulness. Their marriage was dead. But they turned to the risen Christ. And he raised their marriage from death. They're in love now. They're growing in their understanding daily. They're, they're growing toward each other daily. See, they turn to the risen Christ to receive life. And, and they turn to his body to receive support, to have the grave clothes taken off of their hands and feet and, and away from their face so they could learn and grow. They've seen the glory of God. And they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life today. Right now. Johnny Erickson, 
who was a young woman who was full of life and excitement about the future. When she was 17, she dove off a platform in the middle of a lake. And in that dive, her neck was broken. She lost the use of her arms and her legs. Her life was over. Her future was gone. There was no hope. Everywhere she looked, she saw nothing but darkness and despair. She resented God. She pushed everyone who loved her away. Not only was her body broken, her spirit was dead. And then someone told her about Jesus. And she turned to the risen Christ. And he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. She who believes in me will live, even if she dies. And anyone who believes in me and lives will never die. Do you believe this? Right in the midst of her darkest, blackest despair, he says, Do you believe this? And she said, Yes, Lord, I believe. Show me how to live. And the one who is the resurrection and the life gave her life. She uh, now, from her wheelchair, is full of life, excitement about the future. She paints beautifully with a, with a brush held in her mouth. She sings wonderfully. She gives to so many people in, in so many ways. Recently, she was asked if she would trade the life that she now has for the life she had before the accident. And she said, absolutely not. See, she has turned to the risen Christ. He has resurrected her life. She has seen the glory of God. Now, unfortunately, the woman at the bridge, Rebecca Thompson, never knew that Jesus was alive and present today. She never knew that he is the resurrection and the life, that he could raise her life from death. As a result, her story is unrelenting tragedy. She never knew. But we know. We've just been talking about this. But Jesus is the resurrection. He is the life. And He can bring resurrection and life into your life. No matter what horrible things have been done to you. No matter what shame you bear. No matter what sins you've done. How you've shamefully hurt others. No matter whether you came to Christ 50 years ago or today is the first time you've met Him. No matter what in your life is crushing your spirit. No matter how weary you may be. How deep or how shallow your despair. Jesus Christ stands here today, right here, right now. And He is the resurrection and the life. And He can bring resurrection and life into your life. He can give you peace. He can give you release. He can give you joy. He can give you life. Today is Easter. We're all here to celebrate that event, the, the joy of that event. And it is a joyous event. Complete that joy by letting the one who, who rose from the dead raise your life, bring resurrection to you, give you life. That's who he is. That's what he wants to do. If that's what you want, then turn to him. 
He's here today. Tell him that you believe that he is the resurrection and the life and that he can give you new life. Let that new life start right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you that you have proven yourself. You proved your love by dying for us. You proved your power by coming back to life. But Lord, we want to move beyond that and in the midst of that to see that you are here today that your same love, that your same power, you stand next to us ready to give. Lord, I pray for each person here, whether they've known you for a long time, that they would be aware of your presence, that they would let you bring life, even now, today, to whatever area their life is crushing their spirit. They would turn to you, see your glory. Lord, I pray especially for those here today who've never met you, who've never realized that you are here, that you can be known, that you desire to give life. Pray that they would be aware of your presence. Lord, speak to them in their heart. Tell them of your love, of your desire to free them from their sin. To give them life. Lord, we worship you. That you are the resurrection and the life. Right here. Right now. And we praise you. What you have done and what you will do. In your name we pray. Amen.